I think I was lucky that I found some teachers that sent me a, like a YouTube video of something that I was interested in. So it was very short, but at least then I could maybe learn a little bit of vocabulary about that and learn, ask them some questions. And, and I think that, that kind of thing where it, it really is about something that you like is, is helped me anyway. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 139. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. My name is Shannon Kennedy and I'm here along with my co-host, as always, Benny Lewis. And today we're talking to Will Scott, who learned French with us as a part of the Fluent in Three Months Challenge. Um, we're going to mention the challenge quite a bit in this episode. So the challenge no longer exists. It's been replaced by boot camp. So whenever we say challenge, you can just swap that word out with boot camp. And if you're interested in the program and having a 15 minute conversation in your new language as well, you can learn more at languagehacking.com slash bootcamp. So let's get into it. Will, can you tell us a little bit about how your language learning journey started? Um, well, I think, well, thanks very much for having me. But I think the the um, I, I sort of started at school. I, I did a bit of French and Spanish um, up until about eighteen, and I, I quite enjoyed it. But I think, like lots of people that are maybe on the, that have sort of come to fluent three months later and, and on the podcast, it, I um, I really couldn't speak anything. And I think there was there was one thing at the end of my studies when I was eighteen. I went for a week to Salamanca to to try and speak a little bit of Spanish in in a in a language school, and um, I got there and we had a written test. And I, I got put in the class and then realized I couldn't understand anything that I was being, that, that was part of the, the cl classes. So, so really, I think it was just, I sort of, yeah, I'm trying to, trying to say that basically starting from like doing the stuff in school and going through the, the rote learning approach and, and enjoying it and like thinking that languages and, and different cultures are interesting, but probably not really being able to, to speak with anybody. And uh, I think I've, I've tried a few times uh, through the years, like uh, there were some classes at university to do like out of um, out of hours classes, and I, so I did a bit, a bit, a little bit of Mandarin for, for two years. I think now the only thing I can remember is Tian Tianqi Hao. So like just maybe I think that's uh, the weather's nice, but that's it's like those kinds of things. So really, really nothing. And um, so th this summer when I, when I found the challenge and I found any well your your websites, I thought that. It sounded interesting and maybe it was worth a shot to have a go and yeah and i think actually it really was the sort of thing that i was hoping for in in a way and just sort of telling you yeah you, you, if you want to speak you have to practice speaking and i think that's kind of uh the, the, the summary. That's great. Great to, to hear your story's evolution and we'll be diving into it a lot more. But I want to hear a little bit about uh, your time in Salamanca because for a lot of people, it can feel that just moving to the country and living somewhere. And Salamanca is a great place. I actually studied for my C2 exam in Salamanca because they've uh, got, it's a great place for improving your Spanish and all that. Um, but like for a lot of people, they may think that going somewhere like that should technically solve your problems. So why did being in the country not completely transform your Spanish experience? Well, I think I, I mean, to, to, to tell you the truth, I went there as a, as a holiday as much as anything. So I went with a friend and we, we thought it would be nice to, to try and do a bit of Spanish, and, but, but also just to have a, hol a holiday. 
But I think, um, yeah, the, the thing that really struck me, I got there and, and everyone spoke English. So as soon, as soon as I said hello to someone, I mean, they could tell I was English. And then, uh, and then it was just so, so much easier just to, to talk to them in English. So I think at, at that point, I probably wasn't serious enough about re really uh, trying to speak Spanish. And, they, and it's, it was interesting to hear a bit about your experiences and, and some of the other people where they, they sort of decide they're not going to speak English. And I think I, I quite like that idea, uh, but I haven't, I didn't try it then. And uh, I think the, the, yeah, so, so I think, I think that was the main thing. Just the, there were, and the other thing was that there were lots of other language learners that could speak lots of other languages, but also even though it was kind of funny for them, because even if they were trying to learn Spanish, they were still speaking to me in English because that was their better language. So I, I was kind of, I was surprised by that. But then, and then I was only there for one week. So I think I can't really say it's a very long a very long time but um yeah i had a nice time and salamanca is very so let's get a little bit into your journey learning languages you had said that before the challenge you would have laughed if someone told you that you were going to study every day for a week so what would you say helped you stay so consistent with your learning um yeah i'm not sure i think i think finding fun things to do i think finding things that were way were interesting and i think and also finding nice people as part of the challenge so they're they're Quite quickly, um, I think I was lucky that it coincided with some other people doing some Spanish, uh, sorry, sorry, some French on the side in, in the challenge. So there were some conversations on on Zoom, and, and I thought I think that was quite a good motivation because I, for me, that was a slightly bizarre experience talking to strangers in, in very, well, very limited conversations, but having a nice time at the same time and, and laughing. So I, actually, to tell you the truth, I think the laughing was, <laughs> was was part of it, just trying to trying to enjoy the process. But um, yeah, I, I think the reason I wrote that comment was because I, I tried to do a little bit before in French before the challenge had started, like earlier in the year. And I think I bought a like an Asterix comic and thought I could try and teach myself to French by reading Asterix. And I still, I think that that was a good thing to do and a good thing to to have a go at. But I think it was, um, yeah, I think I think having the having the structure of a, a challenge where each week you have a a, a task or a thing to think about. The, the accountability of the um, the check-in system and actually just having other people doing it at the same time. I think it, looking back, um, I think it'd be very hard to actually think that I could have transformed that because I was trying a little bit and I hadn't got to where I was. So I think probably without the challenge, I wouldn't have got to where I am now and, and to still be trying to keep going. And another thing is that you're kind of uh, beginning this challenge with a bit of a fear of speaking and you really pushed through that during the whole experience. So can you tell us how, how did that work? Like, how did you, because uh, it can feel like that fear of speaking is just going to be burnt into you and ingrained for life. So how do you work through that and how did the, the challenge ultimately help? Oh, I think that the, I think the challenge was a good way of um I was going to say handholding. That's not quite the right word, but helping you to get to get there, because because I think it started with um with a, like a, a few a few weeks of sort of thinking about your routines and how to get into it, and then I uh, then when there was the message that right you need to go and book three Italki lessons or or those kind of things, that that really was a revelation, because I think again, I, I sort of assumed that yeah, again you could somehow avoid speaking or or, or not not talk to people. But but just actually having those sort of short conversations, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think I found that because I'd been studying a little bit and and I did a bit of um, French Porto one hundred one sort of like some structured lessons leading up to that. So I think that gave me some confidence to think, well, I know a few basic phrases and a few questions, 
and then actually just finding some some tutors that would speak speak back to you in French and just have a try and have a chat again on on sort of and on things that I found interesting, which was I think another thing in that they they found very quickly. I think I was lucky that I found some teachers that sent me a, like a YouTube video of something that I was interested in. So it was very short, but at least then I could maybe learn a little bit of vocabulary about that and learn ask them some questions and. And I think that that kind of thing where it, it really is about something that you, that you like is, is um, help, help me anyway. I, I found it, I did these the italki lessons for a bit. Um, and that's obviously it's uh, like an exchange with a teacher where so there's a I, I, like it became friendly and friendlier as it went on. But I, I uh, sort of halfway through the challenge, I started speaking to my to my neighbor. And um, but I remember the first time I went there because that was going to be my first sort of in-person conversation. And I was I was no really nervous again, despite knowing that I've had I had a few conversations on my Taku. I think in some ways the it's always doing something new is is nervous and 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 starting again and trying to meet a new person it's always going to be slightly nerve wracking. Um, so so yeah so but so that's what I'm trying to tell myself that it's always it's always good to try and try something new and talk to someone new because you always find a slightly different way of thinking and a way of. Uh, uh, learning, I guess. Yeah, and just a, a new experience. So you had mentioned some of the tools that you had used during your experience in the challenge, like French Pod 101 and Italki. But I also remember that you really wanted to commit to using Anki during the challenge as well. And you said that your time learning with this tool was paying off. Can you share a little bit more about this? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think at the beginning, I, I was when I heard someone say like flashcards or space or whatever it is, the space repetition systems. I, I think my initial reaction was I don't want to do it. I, th- I think I, I got got into my head. I think that whole like, the thing sort of with the asterisks, but I thought I could you could just sort of learn without learning. Uh, oh, oh no, maybe that's not the right way. But it, to me, it seemed a bit too much like an exam and trying to go back to the whole like learning at, at school. Uh, and I think what I found is after a month I was of, of doing the challenge, I was quite enjoying it. And I was having these conversations, but then I was thinking, well, actually, that I'm getting some words that I didn't know, and I think I'd, I'd read about your experiences, and I was just thinking, well, actually, yeah, it makes sense to try and write down a few words. And then when I when I downloaded, I think it was just one of those things where you just you just try something about about a month in, and, and I found actually it, it helped quite a lot in that I could just sort of put in a few phrases. And now now what I find is, um, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how you how you use it, but I I try and just sort of every now and again I find a word or. Or like reading something, I might. It's not like every day that I sit down and think, all right, I need to, I need to like add in worst Anki every day. Or it's just if they come up and I think they they're interesting, then I'll write them down. And um, I sometimes I don't know if, if you've ever used DeepL. There's, a, there's probably a million Google Translate version things, but they're quite nice because they it just has like another phrase. So there's always like a connected phrase to to add in. So I tend to if I find a new word, I just add in the new word and then the connected phrase. Um, and some, some, one, one time the, the phrase actually came up, it was, it was very weird. I was trying to, to, I think there was a word like, I keep my tea in a, in a watertight container. And uh, I, I, I had some tea in, a, in a, like a plastic case and I thought, oh, I can actually say that. But uh, normally it's not, they're not very useful phrases, but they're just, um, how, how do you use Anki? Do you, do you, do you use Anki? Because I think, uh, no, I've no, Benny, I've seen written quite a lot. Yeah, so Anki. Yeah, Anki is uh, definitely my favorite tool. I've been uh, actually recently getting into a bit more advanced aspects of how to use the back end of Anki, and I'll probably make a dedicated podcast just about that. Um, but essentially, my process is as words come up in my language lessons or as I'm 
watching a Netflix show or whatever it may be. Um, I add them to Google Doc uh, or Google Sheet, I I should say. And I just keep accumulating that. I also try, I've been trying now recently to make sure I'm including the sentence that it came up. So I always have that uh, context. And then um, maybe once every two or three weeks, I'll import that into my main deck. But I only tend to import it when I don't have any new cards that are coming in. So this way I have a a good flow of uh, not an overwhelming amount of new cards. And I dedicate at least a couple of hours a a day if I can. I mean, here in Mexico, I've been taking uh, six-hour bus rides. So that has actually been excellent for my Anki deck. I don't think that's sustainable in the long term to do that much time with Anki because as uh, Shannon can confirm, it's a very dry app. There's so many alternatives that are a lot more fun to use. The simplicity of the interface is a reason I prefer it. But I know that would definitely put a lot of people off. So uh, it really depends on your personality and how much you can put up with something that is really, truly quite boring to use. For me, I give like all my focus just on the vocabulary and the sentences. And I would get distracted with what some other apps do, like they add sound effects and they have all of these like progress bars and trophies and whatever. And uh, personally, I don't like that. But I know that would help so many other people. So what are your thoughts on that, Shannon? So I am not an Anki user, as you know. I am a memorized user. The aesthetic is a little bit more important to me because I need to want to open up the app. And if it's something that's really dry and plain, I'm not as interested in doing it. But really, the differentiating factor for me between the two is that when you're studying with Anki, you have to decide how well you know the word. Like you have to mark one through five. Um, and I don't want to decide because I find that I'll mark something as known and then I don't actually really know it. And then I'll mark something else as unknown. And then it's something that I do know really well. Um, I'm not the best judge in the moment in a lot of cases and memorize determines how well I know a word based on how often I get it correct and how often I get it incorrect. And then the space repetition system works based on that. So that's really the determining factor for me. But how I use it is very similar to Benny. I essentially gather all of my notes up from the week and I put them into a Google Doc where I have a duplicate checker running and a couple of other things like remove case so that everything's lowercase so that there's no cheating because a lot of times when you have words with uppercase, even if it's correct, it's a clue and I don't want to give myself any clues. So I remove all capitalization and I make sure that the word's not already in my list because at this point, several years in, my lists are thousands of words wrong and sometimes I don't know if a word's already on my list or not, but this will tell me. And then I also run it on the English column. So that that way, if it's a synonym for a word that I've already learned, I actually just add it to that previous card rather than creating a new card for it. And then I just have them as alternate correct answers. Um, And that's what I do. And I just make sure everything ends up in that Google Doc because who knows, one day maybe Memorize won't be around or Anki won't be around. And I don't want my entire flashcard system to be in a tool that might not be around one day. So having this Google Doc also gives me a backup. And then when I'm adding my notes into it, it's a good review session for me. So I make sure I set aside the time and I'm paying attention when I'm adding new cards into this Google Doc um, so that that way I'm kind of reviewing everything that I went through that week before it ends up in my flashcards and a part of my daily system. And I study every single day. I have like a 900 something day streak for a bunch of my languages. So um 
I'm very consistent with it. And I find it's, it's very helpful. Like I haven't studied Croatian with a tutor or anything in a long time. And this last week I happened to be doing a concert where the bass player was Croatian. I never meet anyone Croatian in California. It is so rare. And he and I started a conversation and it was because I'm just consistent with it daily. It was enough that the language hadn't kind of fallen on the wayside. Um, and it was like I had been working on it with a tutor and things and it's, it's great. So that's my system. Yeah. And I'm, uh, Shannon and I are friends through Memrise and, uh, I always think, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll have enough points that I'll be slightly higher than Shannon. Never happens. Never happens. Cause I, I use Memrise, uh, way, way less because Anki is my main uh, deck, but there are a few pre-made decks that I'm a fan of on Memrise. And you can see the, the work Shannon puts in. Uh, it's a pity Anki does not have that social aspect. So no one will ever know how impressive my Anki score is unless I share it on Instagram or something. Um, but yeah, uh, back to your story. I uh, like It's all well and good when you're getting into your initial conversations and you're sharing what you've been doing that week and you're kind of progressing beyond that. But one thing you've been able to do is talk about and make videos about your juggling hobby. So how did you get inspired to share that specifically? And how do you work on the very specific vocabulary that's going to be uh, important to talk about that very narrow topic? Um, well, I think I, I can't quite, I think I was inspired by someone else to do some, something like that, as in that they said that it's a good way to, to practice specific vocabulary. I, I think actually my, I, I haven't looked back at it, but I think probably my French was very, well, I'm sure it still is very broken, but, but the, the point is, um, what am I trying to say? Yeah, I, I think I just, I, I like, cause I think it was, I was trying to specifically do that idea of language islands. I think I'd, I'd, I'd heard it so many times in the, in the first challenge and I really, I think I, I I think I was sort of half doing it by by sort of but not very consistently. So so I think that was my idea that I could try and make a video and that would be a demonstration of learning some some vocabulary. And I think I did I did actually write down juggling because I think it, it's it's an interesting thing because it's it's a little bit like learning languages in a way because it's like no one can juggle to start with like not like absolutely no one can can juggle. And so in some ways it really is just like you have to go through the practice of throwing and then. And then trying to catch, and then you suddenly can do it, and and and, and it takes practice and stuff. And then it's the same trying to learn a new skill or a new trick. So I thought it was an in, like an interesting thing, but um, yeah, I think I think in, I mean in just in terms of finding the words, I think I just looked, I looked, thought I, I thought vaguely in English what I might want to say, and so I, like occasionally with my friends when we're on the beach, we try and practice juggling with stones, and you, you sort of imagine there's a pane of glass. So I was thinking, right, I'll try and look up what, what glass is or. That, those those kind of words and yeah so I, I think it was helpful i think i found that i didn't then go and do it more than that i wasn't very proactive in doing like another video about something else but i think i would like to do that and may, maybe if i if i wasn't doing um yeah i, th I think it was a, a fun thing to do so I, I, I did it. do you mind do you mind actually when you were talking about anki i had i was wondering about the synonyms because i, I was i was i thought it was interesting what you said about putting them together um because i i have I mean, I don't know that many words in French, so I'm only just starting to realise actually we, you can obviously there's different ways of saying the same thing, and it's yeah. And do you mind talking a little bit more about that and how you how you approach that? So I'm not exactly sure how it would work in Anki, but in Memrise, 
when you're importing your flashcards, you have the ability to write alternate answers. So the first default answer, what I do is I list out all the words and I find if I put slashes, uh, forward slash in between them, it'll accept any of them as a correct answer. Whereas if I put commas, it requires me to input all of them as the correct answer, but it also has the alternate answer feature. So the first one, I always put all of them so that when I see the flashcard, I get all of the words, like it, it shows me all of the words, but I can answer with any of them to get the correct answer. So whichever one is kind of like the default that I remember. Um, and I also list them in alphabetical order. So one of the things that like I try and challenge myself with is on occasion, like for example, free in Croatian is both bless, uh, best platon and gratis. So like I have them listed B, G. So I always know which ones comes first. And I try and answer both of them sometimes with a comma. Um, but doing this is really good practice for expanding your vocabulary without getting it confused. Because if you have three words for comfort, for example, in your deck, you're never going to get it right when you guess because you're going to guess one of them and it's going to tell you that it's wrong. And that's not great for recall and for learning because it kind of confuses you so by putting them all together and then creating these alternate answers and memorize so that I can really pick and choose which one I want to answer on based on what I'm working on and what I know best and what I need to improve um, it allows me to really expand my vocabulary and know multiple words that mean the same thing and like for Slavic languages in particular this is really important because you have two forms of almost every verb um, and like when which tense you're using and if something's completed or not changes which version of the verb that you use and so being able to list both verbs side by side and always in the same order um so which function each of them has has helped me immensely in being able to better memorize those things and they mean the same thing they're exactly the same verb it's just different forms of it so having that ability to add them in as synonyms is really really helpful yeah, and I'll just add that if I was doing that in Anki, it's one of the reasons I I do prefer Anki is that I don't actually want to be inputting the answer. I want to just kind of think, do I know this answer? Um, and there are pros and cons of that because you you know by actually typing it out, you are um, you know outputting in a way. Um, but one thing I really like about Anki is you can edit cards very quickly and easily on the fly. So I would, if I come across a synonym. I would just add that to like the next line of the answer. And uh, one thing I would try to do is give an example sentence because otherwise it's not as useful for me if I can list, um, you know, four or five synonyms of a word just on the fly because that's not necessarily, that's not going to happen in the real world. Someone's not going to say, can you give me several translations of the word free? What will happen is I'd know maybe the word gratis, like you said, Shannon, in Croatian is used in one context and the other one is used in another context. So I, I would put a sentence for each of those contexts and then try to um, also include in the prompt how to translate that sentence in the two different ways. And that way I kind of split myself off. So we had talked about consistency a little bit earlier on um, just in, about studying in general, but there was one particular activity beyond Anki that you also did pretty consistently. And that was you stuck with the book Le Petit Prince for some time and you read it multiple times, the same passages over before listening to a podcast about it. So what about this strategy in particular worked for you? 
Well, I think that's because I was a very slow reader. But no, I mean, I I, I enjoyed it. I, th- I think it was. Um, I think I think it was partly because I I did I, I'd I'd heard a long time ago from a French friend about Le Petit, uh, Le, Le Petit Basque, and and I hadn't I hadn't read it before. I hadn't really heard of it before. But then and then I saw that I think just as I started the challenge, I'd seen one of the videos. I think maybe that Benny had made about having it in Portuguese. So that kind of thought, oh, well, maybe I could use that as a as a thing, and it was because it's a, a children's book. And I found out later it's the most translated children's book in the world after the Bible. So, so I think maybe I must have just missed it. But yeah, it was a nice story, and I, I really just on the trains, I I sort of had changed my routine from working at home quite a lot to to going back into to university. So I was on the train a lot more than I had been in a while. So I had some sort of free time to kill, and yeah, so I was just sort of reading it on the trains, so, and I think. Um, the nice thing that I've, yeah, I've, I always liked reading, and and it was a nice story that that's um, that basically has just like lots of different um, uh, characters. So it's, it's I, I, I'm not sure how much I was learning. Like I don't think I consciously, I, to, to be honest, I wasn't even consciously trying to like memorize the words or put them into Anki. I think now now I'm doing, trying to do a little bit more of that, but I was just sort of trying to use it as a way of of like of reading very slowly. And I was speaking to. Elizabeth about this in, in one of the office hours and she had this idea um, of all about speaking in, in three different ways and and sort of reading first just sort of ignoring most of it just trying to read a small chapter and then uh, reading well, maybe, maybe I've forgotten but definitely one of them was imagine you're like an actor and like very like in being as, as expressive as you can and and trying to do that and I try and do that in my head but I'm not very good so uh, sometimes I try and do it out loud very quiet but, um, it's a bit difficult on the train but the um, I think the main thing was trying to actually summarise what was happening, and and I think what I was trying to do um, was yeah read a chapter and then like did I actually understand it by by summarising it, and I think that helped. Um, I, and I've I found that now, now I've tried to read a few more books, and I found that the beginning is always a lot slower than the end. So like I've I probably I went over the first chapter, the first couple of chapters quite a few times, um, not really understanding it, and then but by the end of the book. Just, I guess because you're sort of more ingrained in the story and you more, more want to see how it finishes, I think you just sort of, it seems to speed up or seems to be a little bit easier. Anyway. But, um, and then, sorry, you mentioned the, the podcast, the, the Inner French episode. I was actually curious because I was scrolling through the people that you've interviewed and I saw you spoke to Hugo, is it Hugo Cotton the, the, or Hugo Cotton? And I, I, I should go and listen to that because I think it'd be interesting. Because I found his, um, his, uh, uh, what would you call it? like a podcast on lots of different ideas in in, in French? I, th- I think they're really good. So if anyone is trying to learn French, I, I'd, I'd highly recommend them. But um, he he had an episode about the Petit Prince and kind of a half sort of reading out like a simple like a bit of the story, like summarising it, and half sort of talking about it. And that that then yeah, I, I had that was my um, my fifteen minute conversation at day ninety about the Petit Prince. And yeah, for me, I, I think that was um, it. It helped to sort of to have a bit of listening and a bit of reading and 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 to talk a bit. And another thing you did uh, was you took the initiative to have a, a dinner with your friends in French. So this French dinner is, a, is interesting. Like, how do you convince your friends and switch everything up that it's going to be in French? And what are the experience actually look like? Uh, yeah, that, it was good fun. It was a bit difficult. Uh, I, I think um, it, it was something that I... Kind of yeah, I think Elizabeth kind of warned me in a, in a um, uh, in an off, office hour in that it's good obviously to really sorry just to give a bit of background I, I have quite a few friends in London 
uh, from studying that came from France or from different places. So they speak English really very well from living in England for a long time now. And <clears throat> but but so um, I was I had lots of people that maybe I could try and go and speak French. But I think especially when I was beginning, I, I found it. I think um, well I didn't I didn't talk to them at first, so I sort of kept it a secret. And then sort of slowly I was going to tell them that I was learning French. And and now I can sort of have like little conversations with someone in the office. But with this, yeah, with this French dinner party, we, we there was got a, a whole group of us, some that were English like me that were trying to learn and some that were French people. And we we were just sort of basically having a laugh. So I don't think it, it wasn't very serious and, and nothing was um I think we yeah, someone cooked like a like a French French meal and and we all just sat around. Actually, no, it wasn't a French meal. It was a chili con carne, I think. But but the but the point was it it was just sort of a laugh to, to try and talk a little bit. But I think I, I found it was more difficult than I thought because everyone was kind of at a different level. Um, and and I think I would like to do it again. But I think it's what it sort of it made me think that actually having something like the fluent in th- or the F the fluent in three months community was a good thing because there's other people that are one they're motivated like you to study. And they also kind of know what you're going through, so they're they're much more willing to have these slightly, for, not not forced, but slightly bizarre conversations and bizarre things. And and it's also there, and also like the teachers on Italki, because obviously you're you're paying them some money to have a lesson, so it's it's in their interest as well. So I think I think with friends it's a little bit difficult because you want them to still be your friends, and and you so you need to what what Elizabeth was telling me was that you need to be you need to be um, patient with them as well because you can't just keep boring them with 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 um with, with the level where you're at all the time um, so i'm not i'm not sure what you think about that maybe maybe that was a bit, a bit negative but, um it it, it it was a good fun but we yeah we, we it didn't turn into a lucky one so you mentioned talking about le petit france for your day 90 video and at another point you had mentioned how when you looked back at your day zero video you thought you appeared shy and overly serious and i'm curious how your approach to creating the videos from day zero, from being shy and overly serious to day 90, having conversations about the book that you were reading, like what was your process and, and your journey to get from point A to point B? <laughs> um, I, th- I think it was only sort of later when I, when I realized that, well, to be honest, I was sitting exactly where I am now in front of this, this, uh, what, what, wardrobe. Sorry, I'm forgetting words in English as well. Well, sitting in front of a wardrobe. And um, and thinking, crikey, I could probably make a more interesting video than just just sitting here. Having said that, when when I started, when, when I did that that first video, I was actually, I mean, it sounds a bit silly, but I was very proud of it in some some ways. So so I think it's it's also funny just to look back and think about where where you were even just a few months ago or however down the line. Um, and and I think actually that that was another thing that I quite liked about the the, the method, if, if if there is a method, but to make these videos. Because I think I'd heard of these kind of ideas for other things too, but I think it it really is a way of looking back. It's quite a concrete thing that this is where you were at that point. Um, so so I, and I think it's um, I, I also thought it, it maybe it'd be um, uh, yeah. So I so I think it's 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 always nice to see like that. I remember in some of the ones recently, some people were like definitely laughing with their with their tutors and stuff. And I think it's nice to watch because those videos because it it's when there's subtitles, you can kind of follow along just by watching, looking at the English, and you can sort. And, and that, I think that's quite nice because although you don't, it's nice to see how the everyone's progressing. And, and when people are laughing, it's just so much easier to watch. And I think so. I think that that was one thing that struck me. But yeah, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if uh, 
what, what am I trying to say? Uh, yeah, that, that's enough. Sorry. <laughs> so um, what are your plans moving forward now? What do you want to do in uh, 2023 with your French and with other languages? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I need to have a think about it. Really. I, I would like to do a lot more French because um, I think I've got to the point where I... I well, yeah, I've been listening, listening more, actually listening to some people on this podcast and realizing it. Because what I always find that you, you realize everyone's in the same sort of boat as you are. So I like talking about a bit about reading and there's lots of people that like reading. And I think I've, I've kind of got to the stage where I can, I can like follow along on a book and, and try and then sort of slowly understand that, like, the, like the gist of it anyway. And so I'd like to do some more reading. Uh, I'd like, I'd like to, I, I did actually have an idea to have my day nighty conversation on a beach in, uh, um, Oh, so where was it going to be? In, uh, in Brittany, in, on Preta, or, um, because I quite like sailing. So that, that was kind of a long-term goal. Uh, but, but I think more, maybe maybe in March, my, some of so my f- French friends about the dinner, I think they, they invited me to Marseille. So I'm hoping that maybe I can keep doing a little bit more to go to Marseille and have a, have a nice time there. But, um, that, that's sort of the, the yeah, w- with the French. So I think just trying to do a little bit more of what I'm doing and just try, try and keep going with it. And, uh, but yeah, no, 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 I'd like to say thanks because I think I, I probably wouldn't be here if I hadn't done the, the program. So uh, thank you very much. We're going to wrap with one final question for you. And it's a question we like to ask all of our guests on the podcast, given that this is the language hacking podcast. And that is, what is your definition of language hacking? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. So uh, I, I think the, the, um, I, I like the one about um, do what you, you enjoy today. So that you keep doing it tomorrow. I think that's a good one. But I think I think it's just the process, and I think it's sort of kind of finding it out for yourself. But I, th- I think it's um, enjoying the process as you're doing it, and enjoying the, the language learning. Well, this has been an excellent interview. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story with us today. Really appreciate it. Well, th- thanks very much for having me. Thanks. So until the next time, I wish everybody listening a very happy language learning. Happy language learning. So at the end of each episode, Betty and I like to share something that we took away from our chat with our guests on the podcast. And this is something that you can try out in your own language learning over the next week. So Benny, what was your takeaway? Uh, so what he said about finding a podcast about uh, Le Petit Prince, um, I didn't think about that before, but I watch and listen to content in other languages and I occasionally read books in other languages. And that for me is the main aspect of what I'm doing. But I didn't realize so much that if I put a little bit of work into it, I could actually find specific content dedicated to people talking about that, uh, you know, like the podcast talking about Le Petit Prince. And I'm sure there's loads of YouTube videos that kind of dive into theories and stuff behind Netflix shows that I watch in other languages. And um, just the fact that he uh, added that at the end after obviously reading the book multiple times. I'm going to take that out of this and I'm actually going to try and see if I can find content analyzing because I actually like watching YouTube videos in English that analyze like Marvel shows and stuff that I'm watching. So um, I should actually start doing that for the shows that I watch in other languages. So that's the inspiration I've taken out of this. What about you? I would have to say that it was something that he kept coming back to um, at different questions and that was about laughing and having a good time and having fun. 
And I think sometimes we do take this whole language learning thing a little bit too seriously. We take ourselves doing it too seriously. And there's a lot to be said for finding comic relief in your own progress and being able to laugh at the mistakes that you make, being able to laugh at some of the awkward moments that you may have and not taking them so seriously and getting down on yourself over them. I definitely can be the person who is really hard on myself and I can be the person who really easily laughs at myself. And it's just a good reminder to lean towards the latter rather than the former. And, um, you know, language learning, although it may be considered a serious endeavor, that's no reason not to have fun with it and, um, you know, be able to laugh at yourself every once in a while when awkward moments happen because they will inevitably happen. And so having a good perspective on them or a positive perspective on them is um, a way to keep them from being too discouraging in the moment and things. So that would be my takeaway. All right. So once again, we mentioned the Fluent in Three Months Challenge in this episode, which has been replaced by the Fluent in Three Months Bootcamp, which you can learn more about at languagehacking.com slash bootcamp. Until the next time, happy language learning. Happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave us a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, and Elizabeth Bruckner, and produced by Alice Semino, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.